Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. <laughs> I just learned something. Oh, I'm having fun now. Although, to be fair, if someone is giving you a super old horse, they're basically just saying, hey, bury this for me. <laughs> like, I'm sure there was a time when you'd be happy to get any horse, no matter what, and you wouldn't question your good fortune because, you know what? Worst case scenario, food. And glue. Yeah. But these days, I don't want your old ass horse. <laughs> All right, Duncan. Yo. One of our most popular episodes so far. Hmm. And one of my favorite, honestly, was idioms. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm down. The origin of common phrases. <laughs> and so we've got some more today. And we're just going to jump right into them. Go. Get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, Dodge City. Dodge City, Kansas. Yes. Good call. How'd you know that? Way too much watching of the actual Wyatt Earp movie. And yes. And not the Tombstone movie. There you go. So this place is very famous from a bunch of different westerns. Yeah. Including probably most famously the TV and radio series Gunsmoke. Yeah. Yeah. Which I am not old enough to have ever watched. Nope. No idea if it was good, yeah. but it was popular. And it was set in Dodge City, Kansas. And so when the good guys were throwing the bad guys out of Dodge City, Kansas, they'd say something like, get the hell out of Dodge or stay the hell out of Dodge or whatever. Some version. Some some version of that. <laughs> I looked it up. Dodge City currently has only 20,000 residents. So most people... <laughs> it did indeed get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> Maybe that was advice. Yeah. They were just like, you You don't want to be here. <laughs> it's, it's not. Do you have any idea what we've done to the water? <laughs> Cold turkey. I uh, don't know that one. There are a number of theories as to the origin of the phrase cold turkey. When it comes to quitting an addiction, the most common theory is that a drug addict experiencing withdrawals will have cold, clammy skin and goose pimples like a turkey. And in hmm. particular, a cold one. I guess? Yeah, it's most likely not the origin. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling that one. Yeah, because the phrase cold turkey was around long before it was ever used to describe withdrawals. Right. The first known appearance... Of the phrase was in an 1877 fictional story in a popular satirical British publication. The story was about a wealthy and apparently very grumpy man who was served cold turkey by his cousin, and as a result, he cut her out of his will. Hmm. Kind of harsh. Damn. My guess is at that point he was he was looking for a reason. Yeah, I mean, cold turkey is is maybe the last straw. It's not the first. Yeah. Unless you're seriously been hitting those heavy metals and are just kind of insane anyway. Or just a really grumpy, just like anything sets you up. Just one ply toilet paper out of the will. You get nothing. Damn it, Gertrude. How many times have I told you? My hand goes right through. Yeah. Out of the will. Yeah, but the saying came from the statement that he didn't appreciate getting the, quote, cold turkey treatment. Huh. And somehow that became associated with drugs? I Yeah, I'm still not buying. I'm still in, not buying. Inconclusive. Yeah. Maybe a, a tryptophan, yeah. a drug connection, the turkey drug that makes you... I got it. Yeah. I just don't see how that has anything to do with addiction. The, the mystery may never be solved. And we're better for it, honestly. Speaking of cold, mm. the cold shoulder. Mm, that one I don't know either. Also has to do with dining. Does that give you any ideas? Cold shoulder to do with dining? Yeah. Being thrown out on your shoulder, like being th not allowed in? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Okay. 
So the phrase originated in the 1800s, and it has been attributed to the idea of serving unwanted guests a cold shoulder of mutton. Because apparently people were super trifling and petty in the 17th century. (laughs) It's weird to me that you would let someone in your house that you didn't want in your house and then feed them, but give them crappy food. I mean, it kind of makes sense if you actually go back to the really old customs, most of them based on religion. Mm, Like letting Jesus, Jesus, the old uh, Islamic traditions, like you do not deny a guest to your house. You know, you have to let them in, you feed them. You don't have to feed them well. I feel like that's violating the spirit of the principle. It's like not a great loophole. <laughs> it's like I, you know what, God, I'm doing as I'm supposed to do. You didn't say it to make it. Contract. <laughs> you didn't say it had to be a warm shoulder. Nope. Sneaky loophole. And we humans never do that with our contractual obligation. I mean, you could just not let them in and not have to sit through an awkward dinner of cold bones <laughs> with someone that you hate. That, to me, is more Christian, but I don't know. What do I know? (laughs) What are you going to do? We're not home. What are you talking about? There's no glass in your window. I can see you. They're going to get the same message either way. (laughs) Like, hey, come on in and have some cold gristle. If you're cooking with fire, eventually Mm. you had to put out the fire. You couldn't just keep feeding the fire all night. Mm. That's why it was called a hot pot. Like They originally just had something stewing on the fire over the low embers. If they had cold mutton at all... You're Don't lucky. Well, actually, me about mutton. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was kind of neckbearding that. Maybe it was. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but the saying may also be the result of a biblical mistranslation. Hmm. Uh, the Latin phrase "duderunt umrum residentum" roughly translates to "quote stubbornly they turn their backs on you." Hmm. But umrum can refer to either the shoulder or the back. I don't know. Regardless, everyone agrees that the first instance of the phrase was in a book by Sir Walter Scott from 1816. Hmm. He didn't explain how he came up with it or where it comes from, and it's too late to ask, so we have to chalk this one up to a best guess. Next idiom. Yes. The welcome wagon. Hmm. You can probably figure this one out. Sounds like Oregon Trail ship. Yeah, apparently at some point in history, new residents in a neighborhood might receive a Conestoga wagon, which was a type of covered wagon, Mm -hmm. full of, like, welcome to the neighborhood gifts. You know, fruit or something. I don't A pie. I don't... I wasn't there. Daughters. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) My firstborn. (laughs) Unwanted children. (laughs) That was only if you were a shepherd. (laughs) Maybe. Presumably, this would depend on some very specific circumstances. Like if you were, say, a black family moving into a white neighborhood, presumably no welcome wagon. More like a because racist. More like a welcome brick through your window. <laughs> but the phrase cemented itself in the lexicon via a company called Welcome Wagon, hmm. established in 1928, that was inspired by these stories of welcome wagons, and turned them into a marketing strategy. They hired women called hostesses who would show up at the door of a new residence with a basket of gifts that consisted of coupons and advertising samples. Such a heartwarming gesture. Wow. We would like to welcome both you and your bank account to our neighborhood. <laughs> Jesus. They better have been pretty or it's pretty easy to kick them off your front. Get the hell off my porch. I'm sure they were. Sex has been selling since long before 1928. Sex has been selling since before there were cold shoulders. Let's stick to wagons. Yes. Fall off the wagon. Okay. That just strikes me as drunk Irish people. 
well, you know, the saying refers to yeah. someone who had to stop drinking and then starts drinking again. Right. The most common explanation comes from the temperance movement in the late 1800s and early 1900s when there was a campaign to outlaw alcohol, which would eventually be successful and lead to prohibition in the 1920s. Or I guess not successful since it was promptly overturned because as previously mentioned in our last one, drinking is fun. Apparently, there were horse-driven water wagons that would be used to wet down dusty roads. Yes. Okay. They have that even now at at construction sites. Sure. And the saying referred to the idea that a man who quit drinking alcohol was so strong in character that he would rather climb on the water wagon for a drink than fall prey to the evils of alcohol. And obviously, though, if he started drinking again, he had fallen off the wagon into the dusty road. Or muddy road, if he had fallen off the wagon, which had just sprayed the... Yeah. But, yeah. True. But at least he was having fun. Yeah. He was... I, I prefer to think of it like this. There's a wagon. You're on it. If you're on it, you're sober. If you fall off, you get shit on your face because you fell into a road. Old roads had horses. You are shit-faced. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you will also care much less that you are dirty. And even though you're rolling around the muck, you're having a lot of fun because you're drunk. Happier than a pig in shite. There you go. I actually don't drink, and I encourage anyone to quit, mostly because misery loves company. (laughs) I miss it, and I want other people (laughs) to share my sorrow. (laughs) Solidarity among the sober, out of spite. (laughs) Yes. Next idiom. At the drop of a hat. Okay. The most likely explanation seems to be that in the 1800s, it was common to signal the start of a fight or a race... By either dropping a hat or quickly sweeping it in a downward motion. Yeah, makes sense. Similar to the flags at the start of a car race where you have like the women who would wear booty shorts. And everyone's paying attention to the booty and not the flag. I saw a news story of one of those flag girls getting run over. I don't understand why the flag girl's in the middle of the road to begin with. We have peripheral vision for a reason. You can see if she's to the left. You, you could place yourself, very pretty lady, at the front end of their hood. That way, even if they're complete screw-ups yeah. and somehow Nicky with a tire, you didn't get hit with a 1,000-pound vehicle going 80 miles an hour that just started. You could be behind the car, and they could see you in their rearview mirrors, which would work just as well. Yeah, that strikes me as a little... You know what? Better than getting run over. Yes. You have options, is all I'm saying. Yes. Maybe don't stand in the path. This way, like, if we're you're having a shooting competition... You don't stand in front of the targets with the go button or whatever it is with the like. We don't know know how to judge shooting competitions. We don't know what it is. (laughs) But the judges for the shooting competition, we're pretty sure, don't stand downrange right next to the targets. Yeah. They're not in the line of fire. Next idiom. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. That always struck me as particularly stupid, especially since rot in an animal's mouth would contribute to its earlier dying. You can estimate with reasonable accuracy the age of a horse based on its teeth. Mm. A very young horse or foal will have what's called milk teeth, mm. like baby teeth. And all the milk teeth are gone around age five. Mm. Permanent teeth start to wear down at that point, and the teeth of a 10 or 11-year-old horse will be flat. So up until about 11 years, you have a pretty good sense of exactly how old that horse is mm. by looking in its mouth. Okay. After that, it's a little tougher to tell. As a horse gets old, its teeth curve, though, and the gums retract. And this is where we get the saying, long in the tooth. tooth, tooth, Mm -hmm. 
So that was a long-winded way of explaining that if someone gives you a free horse, it would be pretty rude to immediately start doing a tooth check, and that's where the saying comes from. Hmm. Although, to be fair, if someone is giving you a super old horse, <laughs> they're basically just saying, hey, bury this for me. <laughs> and that's more of a burden than a gift, yeah. really. Sort of goes back to our earlier idiom, the white elephant. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, here, you lose money over this. It's a quote-unquote gift. Right. But, you know, so maybe don't immediately look a gift horse in the mouth. Just not to be rude, but, like, feed it an apple or a carrot and just, like, take a quick glance. Ooh, you good horsey, horsey, open your mouth. Yeah. You don't want someone to pawn off their geriatric horse. Yeah. Some gifts aren't gifts. Like, I'm sure there was a time when you'd be happy to get any horse, no matter what, and you wouldn't question your good fortune because, you know what? Worst case scenario, food. And glue. Yeah. But these days... I don't want your old-ass horse. <laughs> your old-ass horse ain't doing nobody no good. I can't tie it up outside my studio apartment. It's, there's You could. <laughs> I, yeah. But you'd get some fines. <laughs> there's no local corral. Like There's nope. no parking lot for horses in my neighborhood. You'd be shoveling the manure all the time. It's, no. It's a headache. Keep your old horse. I don't even want a young horse. You're not. Neither do I. They eat a lot. Hard to take care of. Gotta shoot them if they break a leg. I guess if it was a young horse, I could sell it. We're, we're going way down the road. Assuming there's a market for horses in the COVID, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what things mm-hmm. look like right now. Can horses get the COVID? Good question. Don't know. Uh, I've seen horses with blinders on. I haven't seen horses with face masks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's visually stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say I don't drink? I don't know <laughs> yeah, how to explain this. <laughs> Because he pre- already gave himself drain bandage. I'm going to pretend I do. Okay. I'm wasted. <laughs> Fit as a fiddle. Yeah, I never got this one either. Yeah, no one knows. Okay, sweet. But- <laughs> next one. <laughs> next idiom. No, we do know, though, that this is an idiom for that's over 400 years old. Okay. Which is interesting to me, because I assumed it came from, like, the American South. Hmm. Like a fiddle. I even thought the word fiddle had an American origin. But the phrase shows up in 1616 in a play by playwright William Houghton called English Men for My Money, which, okay. Sounds like early (laughs) English male hookers. This is gigolo play, I guess. (laughs) The line is, uh, this is excellent in faith, as fit as a fiddle. Speculation is that a fiddle requires a lot of upkeep to maintain. So if you're fit as a fiddle, you are well-maintained. Hmm. Fun fact, fiddles and violins, same damn thing. Yes. They really are. You'd be shocked at how many people don't know this. People say fiddle in reference to folk music or country music, and that's why I thought that it was an American term. Right. But it's just like how you can call a guitar an axe. (laughs) Yeah. You can say, like, I played a solo on my axe. It's the same as you played a solo on your guitar. It's not a different instrument. You're just calling it a different name. It's not a violin or a viola. Yeah. Fiddle players are the same as violinists and are referred to as fiddlers in the same way that bass players are referred to as losers. <laughs> as the sexual, uh, the unfortunate <laughs> sexual magnet of a band that pisses off everyone else. That's, yeah, that was more personal from <laughs> one of our bands. But I was making fun of the fact that most people just diss bass players. But yeah, we had a bass player who, fuck that guy. You know <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. He didn't even get aired. Late a lot. <laughs> Next idiom. Next idiom. A second wind. Okay. So, you know, you might be getting tired, but then suddenly you get your second wind. Mostly I just wheeze. 
Well, wheezing, yes. Do you know what uh, this refers to? No. In Old English, wind meant breath. Right. So just like you can get winded or exhausted via physical exertion, you can also get a second wind. It's like getting your breath back. When you're like wheezing and you can't go anymore, then you get a second wind. Mm. That's a more refined way of saying breath. If someone has bad breath, you could just say, I don't appreciate your wind. Redirect your wind, please. You, sir, have some odiferous wind. Yeah, that sounds like a fart, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, it just broke wind. Yeah. yeah. I knew that was what wind meant. I was just like, would, why not just say he got his breath back? Like, oh, he's got his second wind. It's almost the same number of words and syllables. Like, oh, yeah. More poetic. Okay. Talking a blue streak. I know, swearing a blue streak. Yeah, either. One. Okay, yeah. Can you um, guess where this comes from? Maybe. Well, think about the blue streak. What do you think the blue streak refers to? Swearing. No. <laughs> it's, it refers to lightning. Huh. Uh, I like the alternate theory, which is that it derived from the saying, quick as a blue-tailed skink. A skink is a lizard. Yes. And a blue-tailed skink is a real animal. I saw pictures. They have shockingly blue tails. Hmm. If you're listening to this and you have Google on you, just Google blue-tailed skink. Actually, you know what? I'll show you a picture of a blue-tailed skink. Okay. I want to see blue-tailed skink. Show me the skinkage. This guy's cool, man. I love skinks. They look sort of like alligator lizards, but not. They do, yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan of lizards. I like them. Well, and this one in particular is very unique. Hmm. Check out the blue-tailed skink. That gum. That is blue. That is like turquoise. Yeah, it's like shockingly uh, vibrant blue. Yeah, it looks like a chunk of like lapis lazuli or, or like turquoise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I was trying to understand what genetic advantage you would get from having a bright blue tail. Mm-hmm. Seems like it would just make you more but noticeable. They can, they can grow those back, right? Right. So it makes the predator go after that and not yes. where all your healthy organs are, and you can shed that, and you're good. That's exactly it. Yeah. They want predators to attack their tails. Right. Because they're expendable and will grow back rather than their heads, which are not <laughs> and won't. And that, boys and girls, is Insomniac Biology 101. <laughs> I don't have any parts of my body that are expendable and would grow back. Definitely uh, not your hair. My hair. That's the only thing I can think of that is expendable and would grow back. I I wonder if this works for people who have bright blue hair. <clears throat> Maybe this is a... Sharks go after that. Yeah. Like, Although if a tiger ate your hair, he probably like wouldn't stop there. He, you're just drawing attention to a very vulnerable... <laughs> You're mostly just drawing attention to your thief. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not a good plan. Yeah. That's like the last place you want them to attack. But if all they took was the hair, that's the one thing you could lose. Mm. I don't want to lose any other appendage. Mind your own beeswax. Mm. So in pioneering days, women often made candles out of beeswax. Gotcha. And the work required attention and concentration to get this done. Mm-hmm. And so it was a good idea to pay attention to your own beeswax. Some lady was leaning over, you'd be like, hey. Bish, mind your own. Mind your own beeswax. <clears throat> Don't mind mine. Other ways of telling someone off. Yes. Go pound salt. Have you ever heard that? I've heard go pound sand, but sand? never salt. Yeah, I've heard go pound salt, but okay. it is a little antiquated now, I think. Okay. Apparently, this phrase originated in salt mines where pounding salt was an extremely undesirable task. Can't imagine why. Yeah. So if you got in trouble or pissed off the wrong dude, they'd be like, hey, go pound salt. I don't know what they accomplished by pounding the salt. I grind it up. 
I prefer my salt flat. <laughs> I don't want vertical salt. I don't know if that's what. That's how you make it granulated back in the day. Oh, I see. Or at least make it into rocks, like the you know the chunks that you can put in a grinder. Okay, that makes sense. Let's stick with salt. Salt of the earth. Uh, most common, most useful, most um, healthful, actually, back in the days. Yeah, well, you probably could guess that this is a biblical phrase. Right. Matthew 5.13, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savior, wherein shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. I read that like 15 times. I still don't... Yeah, I was going to say, that, that doesn't make any sense. And you said salt like 17 times in eight sentences. Yeah, I've never, I always ask myself, wherewith shall the salt be salted? <laughs> Why is it... Does the salt believe in the Lord? <laughs> Why does salt have to be Lord believing? And yeah, the Bible's always so confusing. I like the Ten Commandments. Those are very simple. Yeah. Just tell me what not to do. Mm-hmm. That's super helpful. <laughs> there should be more. Commandment 25. Don't tickle people who don't want to be tickled. Just everything. <laughs> everything should be laid out. There's no fine print. It's just like, don't do this thing. Yeah. yeah. Sloth is bad. <laughs> don't be a lazy, dirty hippie. Just <laughs> stinky people suck. That's easy. Wash your stinky ass. <laughs> Wash your ass. <laughs> don't nobody want to smell that. Don't ever want to see that. That was commandment 11. It almost made it in. It was between that and like, don't. Whatever covet your neighbor's was. ass <laughs> you, there was like should should we put in the thing about the coveting of the ass or the washing of the ass yeah all of these like they're like riddles yeah. in the bible they're just shady to me because they're open to interpretation i don't know what any of that meant but i'm sure i could make it fit whatever i want it to mean. there's way too much wiggle room for people to come up with justifications for anything you know m- money leads to corruption so send me your money your money I will become corrupt for you and become an eater of sin, mostly <laughs> sinful sirloin. It totally makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. What's a little weird is that salt usually has a negative connotation when it comes to earth. Salting the earth is a way to make the soil toxic yep. or fallow. Completely unusable. Yeah, nothing will grow. Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt as punishment. But, you know, I'm not going to argue with the big guy. <clears throat> there are apparently good salts and bad salts. Pillars, bad Earth salts, good. Fish, sometimes. Unless you're actually salting the earth, which is bad. Or using pillars to hold up buildings, which is good. It's very confusing. <laughs> I don't know. Don't use Lot's wife to hold up a building. <laughs> However, considering back in the day, you might want to use her as a salt lick. But then over time, she would you'd be... She would erode. Yeah. First rain, bye-bye wife. That's true. Get your licks in while you can. <laughs> <laughs> Just run that idioms here. Goth, dang it. Close, but no cigar. And uh, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying yeah, that's no, no, the I next idiom. I got that. <laughs> Thanks. I am as dumb as you look. All right. So, yes, uh, that's races. I don't know. Races? Yeah. Meaning one race, you got a cigar? Right. So, apparently, fairgrounds used to offer cigars as prizes for winning, like, carnival games. Okay. So, if you didn't win... Close, but no cigar, kid. Hmm. Were these adults-only carnivals? <laughs> were the laws... That sounded disturbingly historically accurate. Yeah. Come here, kid. Have a cigar. Have a cigar. The laws were super lax back in the day. They were just, like, giving cigars. Back then, they thought it was healthy. Yeah. This was the era of cocoa wine. Oh, We man. have covered this. Cocaine wine. I'm for it. 
I grew up in the wrong century, man. Seriously. Kids were smoking cigars while playing carnival games, hopped up on coca wine. <laughs> it was a good time to be 12. <laughs> Woo. I could knock over a stack of milk bottles with a baseball if I was on coca wine. No problem. <laughs> Give me the biggest stuffed animal. <laughs> and I could, a cigar. I could do it while smoking a cigar. <laughs> Heard it through the grapevine. That one I've never understood, other than the cool song. So it probably refers to electrical telegraph wires, hmm. which could be called grapevines. Also might refer to a metaphorical network of gossip from the Grapevine Tavern in New York's Greenwich Village. It was a popular military hangout during the Civil War, and spies could pick up valuable information there. Hmm. Also might refer to uh, dancing raisins. Bad joke. Coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> Face the music. Okay. Uh, sounds like a good thing to do generally if you paid, especially. Yeah. that Except it's, it has a bad connotation. You don't want to face the music, right? No, you you want to face the music if you're honorable. You don't want to face the music if So you're... I don't want to face the music. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say nothing. <laughs> I guess it's just bad for me. <laughs> this is another one that doesn't have 100% agreement as yeah. to its origins. We covered a lot of the ones that like have really solid etymology in the last one. Yeah. And then I have been noting down all the idioms that I thought were interesting. And then a lot of them you look up and they're just like, we don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But they'll give you some theories. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple popular theories. One is that soldiers who were discharged from the military would have to march past their fellow officers. Some of them would be playing drums, which was referred to as being drummed out. Yeah, I knew the drummed out of the military Yeah, actually came from the... Yeah, so if you got kicked out of the military, you had to face the music. Okay. But that seems kind of like triumphant to me. I don't yeah. know. They should just have like sad trombones. That would be, as you're walking by, just... <laughs> that's how it should be as you walk out. Like drums, I'd be like marching out like, fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I lived, bitches. You go charge that hill. I'd be feeling good. Like what's a sad or humiliating drum beat? I don't... I'd be like, thank you. This is making me feel much better about my plight. Doing the robot out the door. Drumming me out. Mm. Another theory is that it referred to stage fright. So an actor would have to go on stage and turn to face both the audience and the orchestral pit. Right. Thus facing the music. Which makes more sense, I guess, than the military one. Yeah. Why not just say facing the audience? Because that's what you're scared of. You're not scared of the music. And they might not even... They're probably, if you're about to say something, they're not playing the music. I don't know if I buy that one. Mm. Unless you've got a really dick orchestral like conductor. <laughs> it's like, to be or not to. Clearly we watch too many cartoons. As a kid. <laughs> so that was just a quick and uh, snappy one. I like the idioms. I like to know where these come from and to surmise if we don't know. Yeah. I mean, just the theories alone are hilarious. So, hey, just a quick request from us you guys if you are enjoying this podcast uh if you're not enjoying this podcast um don't do anything just keep downloading it yeah just for the hell of it why, why are you here sense. you yeah, made it all the way to the end and what is wrong with you the, <laughs> but if you're enjoying this podcast presumably you are because you made it to the end of this one then just uh, tell someone that's all we ask yeah. is just let some people know we just want to get the word out and like i said in the last podcast if you can email me at uh, Duncan M. McEwen at Gmail, examples of like how you've brought us up in multiple multimedia platforms and you've rated us on, you know, Apple podcast, I'll send you a shirt. We have some merch. That's an easy way for you to show your pride without any words whatsoever. 
So that's super helpful. Uh, add us on Instagram for sure. We have a lot of content there. We're going to be adding more and more as we go. You can see my cat. You can see Duncan and I in the studio. You can check out the studio. We've even got like a little video of the studio. We've got uh, pictures of us when we were younger, pictures of us now, clips, a lot of stuff on there. That is where we are consolidating our social media. So do add us there. Indeed. I will hopefully be announcing some more shows coming up soon. Keep an eye on ShaneRogers.net. Knowledge is power. Sleep is overrated.